Once I, I got to Deschutes, I thought, you know, we can make a beer. You know, here's, here's a great opportunity for a beer. And the beer that I made out of that was uh, Red Chair. And that, that, that beer for, I think, two years in a row won the world championship of uh, best beer in the world. So it was, uh, you know, proof is in the pudding, right? I'm Jeremy Storton. I'm a certified Cicerone and the Beerlandia columnist for 1859 Oregon's Magazine. I believe there's a story behind every brewery, every brewer, and every Oregon beer that finds its way into your glass. I'm on a mission to find those stories and bring them to you. This is Beerlandia, a podcast about Oregon and the great beer you'll find here. Anyone who loves beer and lives in Oregon, or the Pacific Northwest, really, needs to know my next guest. While no one person can claim to have changed craft beer single-handedly, he is one individual who's made a huge dent. You might not know him by name, but you know his beer. Let me introduce you to the godfather of the Northwest beer industry. My name is Larry Sidor. I'm the master brewer at Crux Fermentation. Um, I... It's hard to say what I do. I do a lot. What most beer drinkers don't know about are his innovations of the processes and equipment that brewers take for granted today. In a sense, he's very much like the well-known genius whose innovations and extraordinary flavors made him a global icon. And they're not Hoopa Lippas, they're Munchkins. So this is is what you guys talk about at the Crux business meetings. Yeah. So you are a bit like Willy Wonka. Exactly. And when we go out in the brewery, you'll see Willy Wonka. To truly appreciate his impact, we need to start at the beginning. Larry got quite an early start to his career. I think I, I made my first wine when I was maybe 10 years old, something like that. He then formalized his education right here in Oregon. I graduated in 1972 from Oregon State with a degree in food science. Although he was a bit ahead of his time, his plan was simple. And I was going to start a, um, start a winery and grow wine and be very happy. Oregon in the mid-70s wasn't ready for a winery. Larry's business would have to wait. Undefeated, Larry had an opportunity to work with a friend while he hatched a new plan. So my plan was I'm going to go up to uh, Alaska, make a ton of money, bank it all, come back to Oregon and start my winery. Despite our best laid plans, fate sometimes has other ideas for us. On the way up to uh, Seattle, I stopped by the Olympia Brewing Company to see a friend of mine who was an assistant brewmaster at the time. As fate would have it, Larry shared several pitchers of beer with his friend from Olympia Brewing who offered him a tour and a job. It was clean, it was well engineered, and I ended up taking the job. So I was there 23 years. Best place I've ever worked in my life, except Crux. Everything at Olympia was great, until. Yeah, everything at Olympia was was great until the, uh, the model changed. The short version of the story is pretty familiar and has to do with bigger breweries buying up smaller brands. In this case, however, Larry had to brew all of them. This got to be just a absolute logistics nightmare. We, we couldn't do it. Eventually, quality dropped and no one really knew the difference between the beers. We ended up going to um, a single brand which was called Hops, which was Ham's, Olympia, Pabst, 
at the end of Olympia, by the time I was leaving, it was all the same beer. It didn't matter. Larry left Olympia Brewing and went to work for a hop company in Yakima, Washington. So at SS Steiner, I was the uh, operations uh, manager. He put his brewing background and his mind for innovation to work. It took some time, but they eventually came around. By the time I left, it was uh, more like, uh, Larry, how many millions of dollars do you need to spend now? You know, so I gained their confidence and they they responded and and Steiner really put in the, probably the highest quality uh, pelletizing system in the world. Still, Larry loved brewing and received an opportunity he couldn't refuse. He moved to Bend and worked for a fairly well-known brewery there. I was at Deschutes eight years, and uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. I uh, love the folks there, the process, great, great place. While at Deschutes Brewery, he brewed many of the icons that still find their way into our glass. Oh, I, I think that, uh, you know, in my Deschutes days, um, you know, I would say Dissonant is probably the beer I, I love the most. And, uh, you know, Abyss, that's a great beer. Um, Red Chair, I have to admit, is, you know, deep down, I, I love that beer. But he never quite accomplished his original goal, which was to take the risk and own his own business. With his children raised and off to college, he decided to finally strike out on his own. He started Crux to brew great beer, but it was meant to be more than just another brewery. So when we were talking about naming Crux, it was like, it was brewery. And I thought, well, no, I don't want to be just a brewery. And so uh, anyway, so that's how we came up with Fermentation Project. Beer was clearly on the menu, but remember, He's fermented many different things all his life. Right now we're fermenting cider, we've fermented uh, pickles, we've fermented, uh, you know, made sauerkraut. So, you know, we're always fermenting stuff. And the name Crux? It serves as a metaphor that defines Larry's vision for the brewery. To me, that's the Crux. What is the next great beer? So I'm, I'm always working on that next one. And yes, he's still making some pretty great beer. Uh, you know, here at uh, here at Crux, the uh, you know the wild farmhouse. I just I you know that just is it's a joy when I open up one of those bottles and and you know the the beers like Better Off Red and the uh, the Tough Love. I mean, I, I love those beers. Like Willy Wonka, not only does he make innovative and delicious beer, he also has a knack for engineering ways for making it better. I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking about things. He worked on many innovations that have set new standards in the brewing biz. Too many to discuss here, in fact. But here's the highlight reel. Warning, this could get a little technical. Believe it or not, leaf is hard to get. These days? Yeah. Yeah, because I want to take them all and put them into pellets. I worked with uh, S.S. Steiner at the time to start uh, pelletizing hops for us. So instead of bales coming into the hops, we would have them pelletized and we would bring them in. Pelletizing hops improves shipping, storage, and cleanup, as well as improving efficiency. And then there's this little gem. Well, the, the one that I was working on that... Um, really didn't come to fruition till um, till I came to uh, Deschutes Brewery and that was the development of a, what we call 
T35. Simply put, T35 or Type 35 hops essentially gets rid of the unnecessary material in a hop to get at what the brewers need. This is done by deep freezing the hops. Remember Red Chair from the beginning of this piece that won best beer in the world? That was made using these new cryogenically frozen hops that Larry began working on long ago. That's how the cryo hop terminology got because you would, you would take liquid nitrogen and you would freeze the, the hops. So the cryo hops thing that's happening now, we can thank Larry for that. I essentially invented cryo hops. He also created processes to distill and purify CO2. You can't buy a CO2 process anymore in the world that doesn't follow that. And to my knowledge, I was the first one that ever did that. Back in his Olympia days, he tinkered with a new way to separate liquid from the grain during the brewing process in order to get better efficiency and flavor. Think of it like wrapping your tea bag around a spoon to squeeze all the good stuff out. That, that is something that, 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 you know, I innovated and brought along and that's what I have out in the, the brewery right now is I have a mash press with membrane plates. I first learned about the mash press technology in a brewing class a few years ago. I had no idea it came from Larry. And so it, it kind of came back to me 30 years later of what I did because everybody in the world now uses mash, mash filters that have membrane plates on them. So it was, that was kind of cool. You developed that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Of course you did. And where are we now? We are in the, uh, the grain room. So we're in the... Uh, Larry also created room. his own grain mill with the help of a brewmaster in Europe this, this is because the, when it comes to beer, good enough yeah, just isn't good enough. He came clear over from Switzerland just to uh, help me design this. As far as Larry's concerned, no detail is too small. No process is taken for granted. Everything he does is for the sake of the next great beer. This mill adjusts its grind characteristics for every type of malt that it runs through here. To me, preparation is you know, the starting point of brewing and it's one of the most neglected areas of brewing in our whole industry. So, Like a typical brewer, to my knowledge, will grind it depending on how they're going to filter it to a different size. But you're, you're actually grinding it or milling it to a different size according to the specific grain. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's, so. that's very detail-oriented. Yes. Yes, I've been accused of that. <laughs> I, I've heard people accuse you of that. Yeah. But that's why you make really good beer. Well, thank you. All the innovations and all the attention to detail helps Larry and Crux Fermentation Project brew better beer. But what's the point if the average beer drinker never notices? Larry has a plan for that and willingly steps into the role of teacher and guide. There, there's so much that happens, so much understanding, so much... Um, nuance and a touch of uh, talented human hands to create something that you want to have a second one of or something where no i'm good i'm going to go home I, I don't think the general drinker understands that i think you're absolutely right and i think it's on us as brewers to point that out and to explain it when i asked him why he goes to such herculean efforts just to create better beer his answer was surprisingly simple. I hope they'll have a second beer. It's that simple. You know, I, I want to create beers that 
people want to have a second beer. Larry has essentially spent his entire career working at delivering better beer, better flavors, and better experiences served up in a glass. He's not the type of guy who will make sure you know his name as he prefers to let his beer do the talking. But he takes his role as a beer industry leader seriously and offers up some parting wisdom for all you beer lovers out there. The consumer really needs to evaluate the beer they're drinking, pay attention, and choose what they like. Don't be led by what is the current trend. Be true to yourself. Drink the beer you really like. Yeah. Thank you to Larry Sador and Crux Fermentation Project. Music for this episode comes from Free Music Archive with the songs Carefree, Call to Adventure, Aria Carmina, Rolling at Five, I Knew a Guy, Vibe Ace, and Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. Also from Free Music Archive are the songs Even When We Fall, Subdivision of the Masses, and Western Shores by Philip Weigel. Beerlandia is brought to you by Statehood Media. We'll see you on our next adventure in Beerlandia. But until then, cheers. Thank you.